And now, come with us on a journey into the recent future. It's time for Project Moonbase. My name is MC Zirconium. Welcome to this Project Moonbase podcast. This episode... Lunaphonic! <laughs> or should I say... Lunaphonic! <laughs> no. You should, you should say that with a large reel-to-reel tape boring in the background. Yeah. That's what you should do. Uh, yes, this week, dear listener, we're going to be, uh, going to be celebrating the fact that uh, next weekend, that being the weekend of the 2nd and 3rd of April, you'll be able to enjoy, if you live near Bristol... <laughs> Some uh, radiophonic, uh, some live actual members of the radiophonic workshop are going to be there doing a demonstration. And there's also a, an evening shortly after that uh, evo- uh, involving the found, one of the founding members of the radiophonic workshop, Daphne Orr. And we should tell you more about all these exciting events throughout the show. And amongst the radiophonic uh, workshop music, we also have mu- uh, music from the new album by uh, Sean Lee and his ping pong orchestra, as well as uh, music from another new album, that by the Natural Yogurt Band. And we shall be featuring, we shall be celebrating the recent centenary of a theremin virtuosa, as well as hearing lots more delightful sounds. But in amongst all the music, we do, of course, have our unnecessary news. That's right. This week, I will be tightening the flywheel bolts to the specified torque. And I shall be checking that you've done that. Well. (laughs) So do stay tuned, dear listener. We're going to kick off the show, though. Uh, I should say, again, it's another fairly electronic show, but there's no harm in that. We like our electronic noodling here at the show. We're going to play a track from one of the most famous uh, early practitioners of the uh, Moog synthesizer, that being Hot Butter. Probably most famous for popcorn, and many people might say only famous for popcorn. But they released a whole album of rather lovely tunes, which I was recently reminded by, by listener Squig. And so we're going to kick off the show by playing a track from this album. The album is called Popcorn from 1973. This is Percolator. Thank you. 
It's Mission Moon for Studs Lego. He's off to pioneer the empty spaces of the moon with Lego, his wonderful building bricks. Bill Bridge. Lego builds it. Bill Moon Tractor. Lego builds it. Bill Missile Defense Center. Lego builds it. Lego, the wonderful building toy, builds a whole wide world for you. Modular with Revolution de Vegetalis, Fantasies de un Robot Fizidilico. <laughs> that's my uh, that's my Spanish accent. It's good, isn't it? It was jolly, that wasn't it? It's it quite was. good. It was very uh, reminiscent of uh, certain certain <laughs> show favourites. <laughs> There's favorites. no shame in that. No, I've been meaning to play some modular for a while. Actually, I, I can rather forgot about them <laughs> as, I, as I often am with my my ancient mind. Mm. <laughs> it slips through occasionally. And uh, listener Space Disco Jeff reminded me there's a compilation out on Elephant Records which has a few modular tracks on it, and uh, that prompted me to check them out again. That was, I think, they've only released one the studio album, which was uh, that one we just heard from from 2009. And um, I, well, Space Disco Jeff tells me that there is some involvement on with the uh, Lab and the High Llamas with with the band, but um, I'm not sure exactly what that letters from their lawyers, perhaps, <laughs> possibly, <laughs> possibly letters from the lawyers. Yes, maybe we should just leave it there. <laughs> And before we heard from Modular, we also had a very brief 30-second advert for Lego, which I'm hoping hoping might result in a few uh, packages being delivered, some nice Moonbase kits or something. Yes, you can always go to projectmoonbase.com and click on our affiliates link, purchase some Lego and send it to us. (laughs) You could do. Um, The reason for playing that was that the, uh, the kind of the sound effects you heard in the background were 
produced by one of the founding members of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. I'm sure a name familiar to many of our listeners is that being Daphne Orham, of course. She left the Radiophonics Workshop fairly early on, I think within a year of it uh, starting, and she went off to found her own Oramics studio where she developed this technique for... She basically kind of was able to create sound by painting on film strips and then playing it through uh, kind of reading devices. Quite extraordinary. And um, I mentioned at the top of the show, there's going to be an evening in London, actually, at Cafe Oto on uh, Tuesday the 7th of April. It's part of an ongoing series put together by The Wire magazine. And uh, it's going to be an evening talking about the work of Daphne Orham, and there's going to be, they're going to be showing documentaries of, uh, of her work. There's also going to be a presentation by Mick Grierson and Chris Weaver on the evolution of her technology. But also, perhaps most excitingly, uh, we're going to be hearing from a former RAF radar engineer, Graham Wrench, who was actually responsible for building some of the early prototypes of the Aramics machines. Do you think he's going to uh, bring one in (laughs) on the back of a huge truck? I was going to say, I'm not sure how portable these things were. But uh, that's quite an an extraordinary opportunity to to kind of meet the man that was kind of involved in creating some of this uh, this hardware. So throughout the show, we're going to be having the odd uh, little bit of uh, Daphne Orman, and also we'll be hearing some BBC Radiophonic uh, Workshops stuff as well, because uh, there's uh, another exciting event happening around that, which we'll talk about. But... uh, before we go any further, we should mention that you are listening to the Project Moonbase podcast. Um, you can uh, keep in touch with the show via our Twitter feed, twitter.com slash projectmoonbase. And uh, you can also find out lots more about uh, the music and the, the stories that we weave on the show by going to our website, projectmoonbase.com. Where you can find links to join our Facebook group, follow us on Google Friend Connect, drop us an email, show at projectmoonbase.com, or become a moon lord. Mm. Mm. It's quite easy. No, no particular ceremony involved. You just need to uh, click on a button and give us some cash. PayPal us. <laughs> yes. And it'll yes. all be... Not unlike, as uh, as John Toolan pointed out, not unlike the British <laughs> yes. aristocracy. <laughs> yes. Sort of buy your way in. Mm-hmm. You will get in exchange for this very uh, generous uh, offer a downloadable certificate That's that you right. can use to impress your friends and colleagues and local dignitaries. Yep. If you become a moon lord, you will also be entitled to one annual trip to the moon. Mm. We'll <laughs> get a voucher. You get a voucher, that's right. Redeemable at any travel agent. Now we're going to continue in an electronic vein, as we are for much of this week's show, by uh, commemorating the centenary, recent centenary of uh, the first, and in many people's minds, the greatest uh, virtuoso of the theremin, that being, of course, Clara Rockmore. Clara Rockmore was actually taught the instrument by the theremin himself, which is not not a bad claim to fame. Wow. And in fact, she also contributed to the design of the instrument, and he actually made a special version of the instrument for her to play. <laughs> and if you've ever heard or seen footage of uh, Clara Mockwell playing the theremin with her sister on the piano, it's, it's quite extraordinary, quite an extraordinary performance. She she, ha- she has quite a striking striking look. And she also, the I, I don't know quite sure why they chose it this, but the, the, the speaker that you used to get with the theremin was this kind of crazy kind of diamond on sort of antennae type device. It looked completely mad. So whenever she was playing, it looked like she was kind of in some kind of 50s B movie or something. It was an extraordinary thing. We'll, we'll, post, uh, we'll post video, a video of her playing the theremin for you to enjoy on the Project Moonbase website. We'll tell you more about that uh, after we've heard Clara Rockmore from an album which I only recently discovered the existence of because it's been gathering dust in the archives for about 30 years. It never got a release when it was recorded in the late 70s, but it's now out and it's called, appropriately, Clara Rockmore's Lost <laughs> Theremin Album. And this is her playing a Spanish tune called Requiebros. Mm-hmm. 
was Requie Boss from Clara Rockmore. She's either a virtuoso or a virtuosa <laughs> on the theremin, mm. as you may well have uh, detected. Yes. It's extremely both surprisingly impressive and comical. Yes. I like it. <laughs> I like that. At this particular point in the podcast, it's time to creak open the door to Dimension 33 of Unnecessary News. The Large Hadron Collider could send matter back or forwards in time. Oh, yes. It's been a while since we heard anything about the LHC. I'm glad it's back in the news again. (laughs) You've just discovered something mental. (laughs) If the Large Hadron Collider ever finds the Higgs boson, the LHC might become our first time machine. Mm, yes excellent this is good Mm. researchers at vanderbilt university have hypothesized that if the lhc spits out the higgs boson it will also create a higgs singlet Mm. at the same time (laughs) yes which is either a one-piece tight-fitting uniform used in wrestling (laughs) i was gonna say would be weird (laughs) or a quantum state with zero (laughs) spin which is equally peculiar Mm. the higgs singlet if it exists Cannot be stopped by any force in the universe. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) Apparently, it's quite happy to travel backwards and forwards in time in the fifth dimension, (laughs) which is the one entirely made up of beef flavored pot noodles. (laughs) Along with dimension six, it can go there as well. That's also dimension bacon. Right. (laughs) Through to dimension 10, that's the fizzy pop dimension. (laughs) And possibly uh, dimension 11, that's all biros. (laughs) According to one theory of everything called M-theory, the singlet can pop out of the fifth dimension whenever it feels like it and uh, can appear at more or less any point along the space-time continuum. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Vanderbilt University professor Tom Wheeler says, Our theory is a long shot, but it doesn't violate any laws of physics or any experimental constraints. One of the attractive things about this approach to uh, time travel is that it avoids all the big paradoxes because time travel is limited to these spe- uh, special particles. It's not possible for a man to travel back in time oh. and murder one of his parents before he himself is born, for example. Oh, dear. Well, what good is it, then? I guess so. Well, can you not just cling on to one? Cling, cling on to a special particle and I'm travel back in time? I'm not sure. He says, however, scientists could control the production of Higgs singlets. They might be able to send messages to the past or future. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, shoot yourself. I don't know. <laughs> Strangle your own grandmother when you're three years old. I've no idea what this would be. Isn't that mad? It is rather mad, yes. Yeah, so there we go. A man has won the lottery and, and now he has to visit his mother. <laughs> what would it take for Johan Foray to visit his mum? Winning the lottery, apparently. <laughs> when uh, Johan Foray's mother asked him on a Sunday whether he was going to come and visit her, he said, when I win the lottery. Ah, Moments later, he checked his Florida lottery <laughs> ticket and saw that he had actually won $4 million. Oh, dear. So he said, I had no idea I'd be calling her back later that day to tell her I was on my way. <laughs> That's a lesson for all of us, isn't it? It is, yeah. Don't just be careful what you say, otherwise, you know, you might have to go and visit your mum. <laughs> did you ever have a Rubik's Cube? I did. Did you ever solve it? Um, only with the aid of a, of a book I purchased. So by cheating... <laughs> Yeah, well, I didn't really solve it either. Joe Ridgeway and Zachary Grady, senior electrical and computer engineer majors at Rowan University, obviously couldn't solve it either. So they built a robot 
that can solve the Rubik's Cube in 15 seconds. Wow. The Rubik's Cube solving robot was a year in the making and it's earned the duo 17,000 hits on YouTube. That's almost like real money, isn't it? Mm, yeah, almost. Well, it's the future. That to the bank. It's the future currency, isn't it? Yeah. Hits on YouTube. <laughs> and a congratulatory note from Erno Rubik himself. Oh. Which is, again, almost like real money. Is I mean, he still with us? Apparently he is. He's writing notes. It's something of a surprise, because according to Wikipedia, this is a quote from Wikipedia, quote, he is known to be an introvert. This is Ero Rubik. He is known to be an introvert and hardly accessible person, hard to contact or get for autographs. He typically does not attend speed cubing events. <laughs> speed cubing. <laughs> okay. Righto. Hmm. Make of that what you will. Yes. And though it's not yet official, they're confident that their robot is the fastest of its kind. I'm sure that's a fairly safe bet, isn't it? It's 17 moves it takes to solve the cube. Right. And then it twirls around the descrambled cube for a little mm -hmm. celebration. Mm -hmm. What a show off. Robots, they've got no feelings. They don't care about radiation. And now this. <laughs> now they're taking over the Rubik's Cube as well. <laughs> is there nothing, isn't there nothing left for us? Clearly <laughs> no, not. You've been used. Estagom. Thank you, Mrs. Conan, for that uh, first selection of unnecessary news stories. You're welcome. There'll be more later on in this podcast. And coming up, we've got a treat for you, listeners. We've got a bit of sonification. <laughs> and we, we know how much you love it. <laughs> and we love it too. Uh, Sarah Anglis, a musician and a show, friend of the show, has uh, been delving into the world of sonification. Mm -hmm. If you're not sure what sonification is, it's taking a stream of data, yes. such as you might produce if you are a scientist. Mm -hmm. We've actually featured uh, one example of this, which ties in rather nicely with your, one of your recent uh, stories, which is the LHC Sound Project. Oh, that's right. That was somewhat terrifying. <laughs> but uh, So it's taking a, a stream of raw data and yes. turning it into music of mm -hmm. one sort or another. And Sarah Anglis is, uh, has been doing that. And she's written an article about it called Euler's Number and the Price of Fish over on uh, Mad Art Lab recently. Yes. She was kind enough to quote us mm, yes. or to ask for a quote from well, us because we're quite knowledgeable about essentially everything we are experts on data sonification and everything and else. everything else <laughs> all all sorts of stuff <laughs> and she yes she's tried her hand at to doing this herself and you'll find a link to euler's number and the price of fish on uh, mad art lab and on projectmovebase.com she describes the track it's actually a combination the track that she's come up come with is a combination of two tracks and she describes them like this, a short listening exercise. This morning, I turned two streams of data into music. One of these expressed the first 48 digits of the transcendental number E through the medium of handbells. Well, that's something we can all get behind. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> well done. My interest was piqued with this. The other uh, plays the metric tons of salmon sold day by day in the second quarter of 2010 on the London Stock Exchange. So, goodness me, <laughs> listeners. So let's have a listen to that. That's called Fishy Eula from Sarah Anglis.
fish. <laughs> I think you can really hear the fish in there. You can. You can. That's good. Lovely scales. Plenty of omega-3 in there. <laughs> yes, uh, the th- central thesis that uh, Sarah puts forward is that she's not necessarily convinced about the kind of just converting any old bit of data into uh, music because quite often it's just randomness and there's no kind of structure or <laughs> particular pattern there. So she, she's making a case for slightly more... Uh, you know, slightly more intelligent use of data sonification, not just That's applying the it. universe, baby. <laughs> That's right. And uh, we're planning to interview uh, Sarah Anglis for our very own project based website. So if you uh, will tweet a link to that once, once we've done that in the coming weeks. And if you produce music that you think might fit into the uh, <laughs> of uh, Project Moonbase, you know, get in touch. We'll have a listen. We may well cast you into the outer darkness. <laughs> But, yes, uh, be ready for that, dear listener. Be ready to be humbled. <laughs> to be humbled but yeah. if we like it, what we hear, then we will, we will play you on the show. Yes. Uh, now we're going to we're going to head in a different kind of direction of a different kind of sonification. Now this is possibly the the pioneers of sonification in many ways. BBC Radiophonic Workshop, no less. Oh yes, the, the giants, giants really of the of uh, the world of strange electronic noise. <laughs> True, <laughs> undeniable, and uh, still as terrifying today as they were way back. Absolutely, when. yeah, absolutely. Um, we're g- I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, there's going to be a uh, radio, what's called a radiophonic weekend, uh, taking place at the Cube Cinema in Bristol over the weekend of the second uh, and third of April, and uh, various uh, luminaries of the. Uh, Radiophonic Workshop are going to be there talking about their work. And again, there's going to be documentaries and uh, films shown about uh, the Radiophonic Workshop and the music made there. There's going to be some uh, live sets from uh, musicians making radiophonic music in the current era as well. There's more information about that. We'll find a, find a link to that on the Project Moonbase website, projectmoonbase.com. But I thought we'd play a couple of uh, tracks by uh, the Radiophonic Workshop throughout the show. I'm going to kick off with uh, two different radio idents. Now, the first of these is uh, John Baker, his ident for Radio Nottingham. And that will be followed immediately by David Kane's ident for Radio Sheffield. And David Kane is going to be one of the uh, speakers at the Radiophonic Weekend.
That was David Kane with his ident for Radio Sheffield. Mm. That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Blooptastic. S- says Sheffield. <laughs> does it really? It does, yeah. Does it have been to Sheffield? <laughs> no, I don't think Very that. bloopy. Is it? One of the most bloopy cities in, in the UK. Good. He's captured it. Does it say that and when you drive when you're entering Sheffield, is there a big kind of road sign that says you are now entering Sheffield? It actually Vo- says, voted the bloopiest town in the UK. It says twinned with bloop. <laughs> twinned with bloop. Very good. Very good. Uh, yes, as I say, there's uh, if you go to projectmemories.com there'll be information there about the Radiophonic Weekend, which is uh, coming up. And this show is entirely supported by listener contributions. So if you want to go over to projectmoonbase.com and uh, click on the old support button, you can support us. Please do. There are various ways you can support the show. You can either buy stuff on Amazon and iTunes by following the various links and buttons on the website, and we we earn a few uh, copper coins as a result of you doing that. But there's also uh, you can also just give us money, either as a one-off donation or if you wish to... uh, Give us a monthly donation, you can purchase a peerage. That's right. <laughs> Become one of the new aristocracy. <laughs> Why not? Very good. Something you can be proud of. And make your children, you know, give you a bit more respect. It will. It will. Yeah. And, oh, we'd like to welcome new listeners, which we have picked up in the recent weeks, mm. thanks to... Uh, cosmic forces, Cosmic forces. <laughs> Fate. <laughs> yeah, fate. That's right. We don't know. What, we don't quite know what these forces are, but we suddenly find ourselves with lots more listeners, which is very nice. And if you are one of those listeners, if you're a new listener or a, an old listener or mm. a, or a, any an intermediate listener, I don't know. I was going to say old. It sounds. I'm making it sound like our audience is old. We know they are. <laughs> But that doesn't matter. Young at heart. Yes. Make sure, dear listener, if you enjoyed the show, or even if you didn't enjoy it that much, <laughs> we're not that fussy. Tell somebody. <laughs> tell tell your friends. Tweet do and just speak to people in the real world. Mm, oh yes, we like we like we do like the real world. Let them know. Mm. Long-standing listeners will know this show is good for you. Mm, it is. It's like the uh, cod liver oil uh-huh. capsule. Vitamins P, M, and B. And, uh, dear listener, remember, if you are a new arrival to the world of Project Moonbase, remember that all of our previous shows, stretching back into the beginnings of time, almost, uh, can be downloaded from projectmoonbase.com. Going to head off into the world of one of the pioneers of retrofuturistic space jazz. <laughs> now, this, uh, this, is, this next track came about, uh, well, my, my choice to play it, and the show came about because uh, I've, I've been a member of the, uh, this mailing list I mentioned before on the show, called the Exotica mailing list. I've, I've been on there since the mid-90s. <laughs> it's, it's stretching back quite a long way. Um, but it's kind of fell out of action for a few years. I think mainly mainly because uh, the administrator walked off with the keys <laughs> for a short while. Has <laughs> his child grown up, finally? <laughs> That's and... right, yeah. Uh, but I think also the old uh, social networking, uh, had, you know, other pe- found, people found other ways to communicate. But um, it, the control has been wrested back for, for, the, for those of us who were still use the exotic mailing from time to time. And one of the things I learnt about this week following its uh, reactivation was actually an exciting, exciting news uh, for fans of Exotica, a band we have featured on the show recently, uh, the Waitiki 7, featuring none other than Lopaka Colon on bird calls and percussion, son of Augie Colon in the original Martin Denny band doing the same thing. They're going to be getting back to the studio shortly to record a seven-inch single, oh yes, on the old vinyl. Wow. <laughs> 
These things still happen. Keep hope alive. And it's going to be an arrangement of a Sun Ra tune. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's all sounding good so Which far. Which is rather nice because um, Sun Ra was actually, he was he was very much into uh, the world of Les Baxter and Martin Denny. So it's rather nice closing the circle there. It's quite good. And uh, it's a tune, actually, I wasn't that familiar with uh, when I heard about this news. So I dug, dug through the archives and you can get a copy of this on a recently reissued well, I say reissue, I think it's actually the first time this particular concert's been released. It's the Paris Tapes, 1971. And it's a rather splendid piece of space exotica called Somebody Else's Idea of Somebody Else's World.
And that was the magnificent Sean Lee in his ping pong orchestra with the track Iceberg from his album World of Funk, which is re- his reinterpretation of uh, funk in a world music style or his reinterpretation of world music in a funk <laughs> yeah. style. One Basically, of the others. Yes. It features uh, Elliot Bergman on this sort of distorted thumb piano. Yes, the Kalimba, I think it's called. Is, um, he's in a band called Noma. We've played them on the show before as well. They're also on the same label, on Sean Lee's Ubiquity Record. <laughs> also on uh, Sean Lee's label, the Ubiquity Records. And uh, he, he not only plays uh, Kalimba in that band, but he makes them. He kind of sells them. You can go to their website and not buy during the uh, <laughs> Not during the track. <laughs> during the track. <laughs> hammering away. That's right. This is a brand new album from the annoyingly talented and annoyingly prolific Sean Lee mm. uh, called World of Fact, on which he plays sitar, ectar, balafon, tampura, kalimba, steel drum. Ah, steel drum! Oh, hello. Oh, yes. You would have heard that on that last track, actually, a bit of steel drum. We all know it has a healing power. We would, in fact, was it uh, Mariah Callas who tweeted us about the healing power of the steel drum? Yes. Well, following a recent uh, show, we played. Uh, we 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 put a call out actually for uh, information about uh, the the p- fantastic version by Steel Harmony of Joy Division's Transmission from a Manchester parade. Mm. Uh, Laws K, I think, was particularly moved by that. But it kind of rather we, we ended up we ended up uh, posting a video of this uh, on on the Project Midwest website, which in turn led to. Quite a lot of excitement on the stir in the the in the internet. Yes, very healing, very healing powers of the steel drum. She pointed out that if Joy Division had actually been a steel drum outfit, (laughs) I think the world would have been a happier place, essentially, wouldn't it? (laughs) I think it would have been. Because if you listen to that, and I suggest if you haven't heard it, to go to projectmewis.com and have a listen. It's a jolly little number, <laughs> it is, isn't yeah. it? It's it is. very cheerful. Yes. And, uh, you know. And I, as Laws K pointed out, if you watch that video, at the end of it, there's a related video that comes up, which is the same band doing Love Will Tear Us Apart as well, <laughs> which I hadn't seen before. And that's rather good, too. So, yes, why weren't Joy Division a steel drum or something? <laughs> kids, I'm saying, you know, we don't, we don't really have much in guitars here, unless no. it's the, the underwater yeah, that's right. sound of a certain <laughs> guitar hero. But um, I think if more kids picked up the steel drum instead of the, the guitar, mm. life might be a bit more cheerful. marvellous yes. and cheerful. Mm. Just Absolutely. a thought. Just a thought. If you've recorded any Joy Division or... Radiohead tunes on the steel drum. Do get in touch with the show. We'd love to hear them. At this particular point in the, the Presuming West podcast, it's time to twang on the super string of unnecessary news. An air guitar t shirt has been nominated for a South by Southwest award. Hmm. <laughs> Yes, this is a T-shirt with a big picture of a guitar in it, which can actually be used as a musical instrument. <laughs> right, OK. Where the wearer plays it air guitar style, and uh, this has been shortlisted for the South by Southwest Technology Awards. The air guitar, that's A, tiny I, big R, guitar, okay. T-shirt, has a barcode on the front, which, when picked up via a webcam, an augmented reality app, becomes a guitar wow. so essentially it's looking at this little stripey okay. thing and when it sees you strum it very good it provides notes for a minute i thought it was like um if you remember that think geek t-shirt we had on the show ages ago about mm. the kind of provide your own soundtrack yeah the one with the speaker built yeah. in <laughs> yeah. yeah 
This is altogether more fancy, more sophisticated. Well, it's also also a bit more disappointing yeah. because you have to be standing in front of a <laughs> this particular computer with right. the software on it. Yes. Otherwise, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> computer will provide the notes mm-hmm. when it's once it sees you sort of strumming. So there I we see. go. It's invented by a design company, Favel Khan, founded in Swansea by Swansea Metropolitan students and created for the South Wales band The Last Republic. Bet they're good, aren't they? <laughs> we, 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 uh, we mostly play laundry. No, that's Birmingham. <laughs> I was going to say, well, <laughs> can you do Welsh? Why, we mostly play laundry. That's not really very good, is it? <laughs> I apologise if you're from <laughs> Wales. But just the idea of a T-shirt... <laughs> For yeah. a band yes. that is their instrument. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are they? Just they're like, boom, doom, doom on socks. I really like a long sock yeah. for a bass. <laughs> Rubbish. Yes. Attention, furries. Oh, no. Careful. Yeah. Careful. It's all right. Horse hoof boots and shoes. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen these. No. We don't usually do fashion on Project Moon Base. We stick with the classics, like a silver one piece space suit and a bubble perspex helmet, that yes. sort of thing. Yes. But uh, who wouldn't be tempted by boots that look like hooves, like the hooves of a, an animal, like ho- horse horse hooves? Yes, this is somebody, some wag has created a carbon fibre hoof with 5,000 individual horse hairs on, in it, plugged into it somehow. Oh Only cost £1,300. Not bad. And apparently it was created by a team of fashion designers. Mm. It's rather non-specific, isn't it? It is, yeah. No one's taking... uh, (laughs) Nobody wants to take the responsibility. (laughs) Apparently model Louise Dane Tom, 25, who opposed on a a turf catwalk (laughs) wearing the human horseshoes, said, I'm not sure uh, they're for everyone, but I definitely want a pair of hooves. That's nice, isn't it? I'd only get one of. The, I'd only get a pair of these if you could also get an attachment, so you could actually get like the rear half of a horse that you could sort of put on, so you could look like a cent- walk down the street looking like a centaur. Well, I think that. I think that's that's right because it, it's basically the the bottom part of a leg. Yeah. But where's where's the good stuff? Where's the tail for one thing? <laughs> yeah. You know. And what about hoof gloves? <laughs> I I'd love to see some sort of fashionistas trying to open doors or pick up an expresso with a pair of hoof mittens, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, I would yeah. Yeah. In other news, Lembic Opic has been held in stocks at the Tower of London. <laughs> Is this because he's been riding that Segway again? He's been trying that Segway. <laughs> Former Liberal Democrat MP Lembic Opic been held in stocks. Maybe this is the, the sort of liberal uh, leadership who are just annoyed about him losing his seat. <laughs> it's like, how did you manage that? I mean, apparently he was on. He was quoted as saying that he was surprised. Really? He just wasn't paying attention, was he? He was asleep, probably. <laughs> anyway, he uh, lost his seat last year. He was, he was uh, held in stocks at the Tower of London to raise money for comic relief. There we go. It was arranged by the makers of the game Sims Medieval. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, speaking before the stunt, Lembic said, I understand that there's going to be a jester on hand to ensure I really am a laughing stock. <laughs> Good luck with that career in stand-up comedy. I was going to say, demonstrating why his career in stand-up lasted for one show. <clears throat> but uh, while putting MPs in stocks is obviously a laudable idea, right? I think it would be better if we got Brown in there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we could just we could pelt him with gold nuggets. I think we for, should. Uh, s- you know, selling gold at an all-time low. Or, you know, why not Cameron? We could bury him up to his neck in a pile of uh, the big society. <laughs> you know, 
Uh, or how about uh, J.P. Morgan employee in the war criminal Tony Blair? <laughs> I think we could probably just like force his head under wa- un- underwater, but instead of water, we could just use the tears of the <laughs> widows and orphans that he's helped <laughs> made around the world. <laughs> what? It's for charity. It's for charity. Come on. You've been used. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Kenyon. Thank you, sir. For another heartwarming selection of unnecessary news. <laughs> no, Tony, you must stay under for longer. It's for charity. The ch- think of the children. <laughs> <laughs> what? There'll be more on next week's show. I know what's next. Do you? Yes, it's the Natural Yogurt Band mm. with a new album. New album, second album. We have featured them on the band on, on the show before. Tuck in with mm. the Natural Yogurt Band. I feel like being tucked in. That's moment, lovely, actually. isn't it? That's nice. <laughs> being tucked in. Mm. They've uh, got a track called Invisible Ink. I understand. They have. <laughs> they have. And let's hear it right now.
That was the Natural Yogurt Band with their track Invisible Link from their second album, Tuck In With the Natural Yogurt Band. You can get that on vinyl, Ooh. CD, and download form. That makes me want to do some smuggling. <laughs> That's a really good track. It's got everything in there, all the good stuff, a bit of flute. Oh, yes. Yeah. So Whenever we've... I hear flute, I want to do some crime. <laughs> 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 oh, don't do it, children, no. kids. That, you know, if you don't, don't do crime. Mustn't say that too loudly because otherwise we'll have the flute ban- banned. The flute will be banned. Yeah, can't say that at all. But for encouraging criminal activity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It just, I just want to get some tan gloves, <laughs> driving gloves, and uh, and I saw seventies automobile. Like, what, what, what would you suggest? Like a vintage seventies automobile? Well, where... I'm, I'm somewhat biased in that department. You know me. I would say the bond bug. <laughs> Oh, come on. You can't do crime. You can't escape from criminal activity in a bond boat. That's true, actually. You would get easily run outrun on foot. Well, it would probably just break. Just, you've got to do better than that. Mini-moke? I'm not, gonna, I'm not really cut out for this getaway. You're not really. You're not, you're not going to be good as a getaway man if you turn up over <laughs> here in the uh, Messerschmitt, climbing the back. Well, that was going to be my third choice, yeah. What am I thinking of? It's a fast car. You've driven it. Jensen Interceptor. Thank you. Now that's more like it. Mm, Get the Jensen. (laughs) Bring out the Jensen. You can imagine that blaring while you're driving (laughs) along in a Jensen Interceptor. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, We'll we'll certainly be hearing more from that on the next week's show and the shows after that, I'm sure. Uh, This is the Project Moonbase uh, podcast. You can download a freshly coined edition of the show every Sunday evening, approximately 8pm or sometimes earlier. Uh, We shall tweet when the show is available so do keep an eye on twitter, twitter.com slash project moonbase that's where you can contact us with your thoughts mm. hopes and dreams and ideas about the show mm, possibly do. unsavory suggestions <laughs> or savory suggestions mm. <laughs> i was looking for some or sweet suggestions <laughs> suggestions yes ladies and gentlemen if you'll take your seats please our tour of the moon's famous sea of tranquility is about to begin. Uh, yes, this week's uh, soothing spot in the show is going to be... Uh, actually, uh, this might come as a bit of a surprise, but we're going to play a track from the BBC Radio Monet <laughs> Workshop. Yeah, it's not known for its more soothing work, <laughs> no. really, but this uh, this is soothing. It certainly is. This comes from Dick Mills, who is going to be another uh, member of the Radiophonic Workshop who will be at the uh, Radiophonic Weekend in Bristol. This is uh, a tune of his called Dandelion Countdown. <laughs> a good name for a track. Do uh, do lie back on a hammock for this for the next couple of minutes.
That was a soothing sound of Dick Mills there. Dandelion countdown pictures in your mind. Because mm. it was a radio show. You, there's no pictures on radio. No. It's just like this show. You have to conjure up your own magical kind of visual accompaniment to the mm. whole thing. That's right. Just think of us bouncing around the moon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not allowed out, obviously. <laughs> from from the, the kennel. <laughs> the hutch. The moon hutch. Occasionally we let you out for a little bit of exercise. Yeah, with a, with a manacle. <laughs> you know, I can't get far well, with no, that, can I? can't have you gone wandering off too far now. No. We need you for the I've, unnecessary news. I've got this... Actually, if you were to look from above around the moon base, there's a sort of circle, <laughs> the sort of edge of my rope <laughs> where I where I sort of scuffed at it. <laughs> yeah, but you don't need to know about my problems, <laughs> listeners. That uh, Dick Mills track comes from a recent two-CD retrospective. came out in 2008 of uh, stuff that was previously quite hard to find by the BBC Radiophonic Workshop on, I think, Mute Records. There we are. Uh, we're hoving into view of the end of the show. We've got time for a couple more tracks, though. We're going to have another brief uh, track from Daphne Orham. I don't think I mentioned before that you can get uh, the Daphne Orham tracks we're playing on the show this week from her Aramix CD, another two-CD set of uh, the work she did uh, at and after her time at the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Uh, this is a short piece. Uh, this is a piece that uh, Daphne Orham composed in 1965, and it's the soundtrack to a commercial, and it's called Power Tools. <laughs> Thank you. 
And that was Joe Meek and the Blue Men with The Bub Light from I Hear a New World, mm. his, uh, his album there. His concept album about uh, life in outer space. I have been DJ Bongo Boy. I hope you've enjoyed our largely radiophonic show this week. And I have been MC Zirconium. I hope you enjoyed our unnecessary news. Mm, I certainly did. We're going to go out uh, with an entirely unradiophonic version of the Radiophonic Workshop's most famous tune, actually. This is uh, the theme to Doctor Who. But it's it's almost if imagine if instead of being set in outer space, Doctor Who was set in let's say a funky colliery, because it's very brassy, isn't it? It's very it's all brass. It's all brass. Yes, hundred percent brass. This is Jeff Jeff Love and his orchestra with Doctor Who. Until next week, dear listener. Goodbye. Goodbye.